Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I tell you what, again, it's just a joy uh, to stand in this pulpit uh, this morning. Um, I want to thank uh, my brother Eric for standing and preaching the Word of God for me while I was gone last week. And uh, he, uh, I got a call from him on Friday. He said, man, I went back and, uh, and he, he said, have you ever, I've been preaching along and something came out of your mouth where they, you were like, where did that come from? And I was like, all the time. In fact, I get reminded of that quite often. Where did you, why did you say that? What was that all about? And he said, well, you know, I said something that just wasn't right last week. And I went back and watched the, the thing uh, online. And I would like to offer a retraction. I'd like to ex- at least sp- explain it. So I'm going to ask Eric to come, and he's going to uh, share with you just a minute about uh, joy. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's so good to be with family. So thank you for your grace ahead of time. I, it, was, uh, it was a privilege to stand uh, where Pastor Greg is right now last week, and I thank you so much for that privilege. Uh, so last week I, I uh, preached, and then I got done. My wife was like, let's watch the sermon because I wasn't there. And I was like, okay. Uh, I don't really like watching or listening after the fact, right. but I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. Had this moment where we're sitting there, and she goes, did you just tell everybody it's okay to lie and cuss as long as they're consistent? <laughs> It sure is the day is long. That's pretty much exactly what I said. Um, (laughs) So here I am praying at the beginning of the sermon going, Lord, please don't let me say anything dumb. Uh, But I went off script and, you know, God's like, there you go. Um, So as I'm as I'm talking, I, I started off with saying, you know, I don't like it when people say don't lie in church. Uh, Don't cuss in church. And then I said, just be consistent. The point I wanted to make after that is, if you're not going to lie in church, don't lie outside of church. That's the point I wanted to make. But the point that I made, <laughs> thank you. The point that I made was, it's okay to lie and cuss as long as you're consistent. Uh, so I left out a few key words and I paused for a second and then I just charged through. And it wasn't until I got back to re- rewatch it and my wife, that look, you should have been there and in the living room. She was just like, for real? It's like... All right. So it's been eating at me all week long. And I'm like, I, I have to say something, you know, whenever you get to teach often, like with the students, I even uh, brought it up on Wednesday. You have an opportunity to go, hey, I need to fix some things that I uh, said. And and ironically enough, some people like I didn't even hear that. Uh, I, I brought it up to somebody on Wednesday. They're like, you said what? I said, OK, you didn't hear it either. OK, but I do know that some did because I heard those responses. So I just thank you for being gracious. I wanted to go back and say what this is what I wanted to say. Uh, this is or this is what I said. This is what I meant to say. But if you're in any kind of a relationship, you know that what you mean to say and what you do say have to be two different things. Uh, so thank you for letting me clear that up. I apologize. And for those of you who are all kinds of nasty things on Facebook and go delete them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but thank right. you all so much. Love you guys. Praise God. Thank you, brother. I know nobody else has ever opened your mouth and something's come out and you thought, wait, where did that come? I didn't mean that's not what I meant to say. And it just kind of is doubled or exacerbated when you happen to be standing in front of a bunch of people uh, trying to preach the word of God. So uh, it's happened to me many times and I don't know that I've had the humility or the boldness to stand and admit it. 
I just, you know, hear the lecture when I get home and then I repent and, you know, everything else. Praise God for wives who are probably our best critics. Amen, brother. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the 11th chapter of uh, Hebrews, and we're going to continue our, um, our walk through the, uh, through the Hall of Fame of Faith. And uh, as you heard with the children, today's topic or today's person of faith that we're going to examine his life is Noah. Is Noah. Now, you know, Noah, the story of Noah and the ark and the flood and the animals and all that is one of the, is one of the first stories probably or accounts in the Bible that we, that we really get into. I know that for me personally, when I was just a... Uh, a very, very small child. My earliest memories, I think I've mentioned to you before, is when I was living with my grandparents and my grandmother would tuck me into bed at night and she'd tell me Bible stories. Well, one of the stories that she told was the story of Noah and the ark because it has some, you know, uh, for some reason it has some affinity. And I guess it's because of all the animals. It has some affinity with children. In fact, if you go over to our uh, uh, to, you know, the children's area uh, in our church, there's this big uh, picture mosaic of the ark with Noah and all the animals and everything, and it really is a cool uh, is cool. I love it, and I'm grateful that we have it over there. But I just want you to think about that. We have that in our children's area because this uh, you know story uh, resonates with us on a you know on, on just a basic level, a very a very. I don't know, primeval wouldn't be the word, but on just a basic level, the story of of Noah and the ark. And in fact, I was uh, thinking about this this past week, and it's kind of interesting to me that um, the number one um, uh, attraction in the United States today, number one, the ark encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky. I know some of y'all have been there, and some of us want to go, but uh, that thing opened in 2017, and they were expecting somewhere, they were hoping to draw maybe four or 500,000 people a year at its height. They're over a million to somewhere between one and two million a year right now, and it's just growing. They're adding more things. It's incredible, and everybody who has been there has just, uh, you know, to see this thing. They built this ark. Uh, you know, a life-size replica of the ark, and then they put all the stuff in it that uh, would have, uh, you know, been in place. And evidently, it's just fascinating. I haven't been there yet. Hope to go uh, someday. But the immensity or the size of it really is the thing that captures uh, most people's attention. For me, though, the, the, the account of Noah and the ark, the most impressive thing there is the rainbow. And as I mentioned to the kids, and, and you just think about this, whenever you see a rainbow, what's your response? You're just like, oh, well, that's interesting. No, you stop and go, hey, look, there's a rainbow. And you, hey, you talk to people, right? And if you see the full rainbow, like the picture is up there, I mean, that's even, that's even more impressive. And, uh, and I think somebody who flies airplanes told me one time that from the air, if you see a rainbow, it's a complete circle, which is kind of cool. I've never seen anything like that before. But, you know, the rainbow is, uh, is just a powerful, powerful symbol. In 1978, the mayor of San Francisco, California, who was a practicing homosexual, he, uh, wanted, to have a, uh, he wanted to have a symbol that, uh, 
uh, all the homosexual people could uh, rally around. And so he hired a, um, uh, an artist who very creatively came up with a rainbow to symbolize the homosexual uh, movement or the pride uh, that is now called gay pride. And, and if you're driving around and you see, uh, you see a rainbow flag or you see a rainbow in somebody's window or something like that, what do you think about? Do you think about the promise of God? Uh, for me personally, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's offensive to me. And as a preacher of the gospel today, I would just like to just kind of reclaim for us, okay, the, the meaning or the symbolism of the rainbow. And I want you to know that the rainbow is a great symbol of faith. I think we need to uh, keep it from being co-opted for other things. Let's just remind ourselves again and let's proclaim that the rainbow is a, a reminder of the promise of God. As, uh, as from the mouth of a babe just a moment ago, it is the promise that God said, I'll never do this again. This, I'm not going to uh, destroy the earth by a flood ever again. Next time it's going to be by fire and the judgment of God. God still judges sin. That's not what the symbolism is. What the symbolism is is God's promise to his people. And I'll just go ahead and say again what I said to the children, that when you have the promise of God, it has to be coupled with the faith of God's people for it to take on significance or meaning or for it to have impact in your life. In fact, every aspect, everything that goes on in life, ultimately for a child of God, comes down to, comes down to our faith. I want to, uh, at the very beginning, just say that we are on a journey of faith. In fact, that's exactly what we see. Look, at, uh, look down at Romans, or excuse me, Hebrews 11, and verse 7 is going to be our text this morning, and it's about... Uh, Noah, it says, by faith, Noah. Now, let me just stop right there for a second, and let's just contemplate those three words. By faith, Noah. What does that mean? That means, first of all, that Noah was on a journey of faith. Beloved, everybody is on a journey of faith. You are on a journey of faith. Now, the question is, is what or who or or what is your faith directed at, or what is the, uh, what is the, the point or the, or the focus of your faith? Noah was a man of faith. Noah was walking with God. His faith didn't start when he started building that ark. He was already walking with God. He was already a man of faith at that point. And we're going to see how that played out in his life. Everybody is on a journey of faith. Like Enoch was walking with God. How was he walking with God? By faith. Noah was walking with God by faith. And the question, I think, for each one of us, certainly, am I walking with God by faith? So I'm on a journey of faith. Is my faith with God? Everybody's on this journey of one kind or another, a child of God, believer in Christ Jesus. You're on a journey of God by faith. And I mention that journey because when we think about faith, most of the time we talk about saving faith. So what happened when you got saved? You prayed and you asked Jesus to come into your life. You put your faith in Christ Jesus. And so faith happened at the beginning of your, of your Christian life, right? And so faith is being saved. But listen, salvation is something that continues on through life. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
So faith is good at the beginning of salvation, but this journey of life that we call the Christian life has got to be a journey of faith. You're going to walk by faith, not by sight, or you're not going to go with God. Because without faith, we've already seen in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I can't please God. I can't walk with God apart from faith. The journey that I am on in life is a journey of faith. And you know, as a child of God, uh, what I, I, I'll be honest with you, I would like to, to be kind of like Noah in the way that uh, it says here, by faith, Noah. If I came to the end of my life and somebody tried to describe the life of Greg Smith, it seems to me that it would be kind of interesting, impressive, or powerful if someone said, by faith, Greg did whatever it was that he did in his life. I wonder if that could be said about my life. By faith, Greg. What about you? Would it be said about you? By faith, Craig? Or by faith, Addison? Or by faith, Donna? Or Jessica? Or by faith, uh, Judy or by faith, on and on and on. By faith, by faith, by faith. I'm on a journey of faith. I wonder if people can look at my life and say, oh yeah, by faith, he's walking with God. By faith, Noah. And everything else that we're going to read about Noah comes by faith. So salvation begins our faith begins at the, journey, at the beginning of our salvation, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, but it continues on. My whole life is going to be a life of faith. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so continue in him. Now, how did you receive Christ? You receive him by faith. How are you going to continue on? By faith. So the life of a child of God is a life of faith, and that's what we see in Noah. By faith, Noah, and God willing, that'll be the testimony of my own life. Now, what exactly is faith? Remember, we saw in the first couple of verses here in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the substance of things not seen, or vice versa. And, uh, and so what I, what I shared with you at that point was faith is seeing God, faith is hearing God, and faith is obeying God. Keep those things in mind. When I talk about faith in my own life, what does that mean? I'm seeing God, I'm hearing God, I'm obeying God. If I'm not seeing God, there's something wrong with my faith. If I'm not hearing God, there's something wrong with my faith. If I'm not obeying God, there's something wrong with my faith. Faith is seeing God, hearing God, obeying God. All right, now back to verse 7. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen. Now watch this. He's going to see something here that is not yet seen. Nobody else sees it but him. Why? It's by faith. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Now, I've entitled this message, Rainbow Faith. 
What I want to share with you this morning, if I cough every once in a while, I apologize. It's that stuff that I was able to bring back with me. What I want to do is just take a look at Noah's rainbow faith. And then, of course, the question is going to be, what does my faith look like? Is it a rainbow faith? So here we go. I want to show you some things about Noah's rainbow faith. Number one, first thing I want you to see here in this verse is that Noah was warned. By faith, it says, Noah was warned of things not yet seen. Now, a couple of things I want you to notice here. God took the initiative to speak to Noah. I mean, because if you were to ask yourself, so it says Noah was warned, who warned him? Well, it was God. God warned him. What does that mean? That means God was speaking. And somehow, some way, Noah heard God. Remember what faith is? It's seeing God. It's hearing God. God or Noah heard God speaking, and it says that God warned him of things not yet seen. So, so uh, God is beginning to speak to Noah. And by the way, uh, you know, the, the, the Bible teaches that God is always speaking. And God is speaking about things to come. God is not leaving us in the dark about what's happening or what's going on or what's going on in our own life. And that's why faith is hearing God is so necessary in our life. If God is speaking, I better be listening. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, Amos the prophet said, Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. And beloved, you are who he's talking about there. God does nothing without revealing himself. And God is speaking in many ways. He's speaking through his word. Maybe he's even speaking through the pastor. But God is speaking. And the point here is, is that Noah heard him. How did he hear God? By faith, right? Because faith is hearing God. And so Noah put his faith into action as God began to speak. And God, and God heard him. Now watch this. Noah was already walking with God by faith, and God was talking. And you can just kind of imagine they're walking along. I mean, I do this in my imagination. There's a conversation going on, and God says, hey, Noah, listen. I've been looking about what's going on in this world, and I'm fed up with it. I tell you what, I'm almost, almost regretting that I created people. They are so wicked, and it seems like the intent of their heart is just evil continually. So I've made a decision. I'm going to destroy everything. And, boy, I tell you, Noah's ears is perking up about this point. God says, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the flood, and I'm going to destroy everything. Now, remember what the writer here says. He says, Noah was warned about things not yet seen. God said, I'm going to destroy everything by a flood. A flood? What's that? What's a flood? Well, that's where water is going to cover everything. Listen, the, the evidence indicates in, uh, in Scripture and also in science that up until this point, the way, uh, in fact, Genesis uh, says that the way that God was watering the land at that point was a dew or a mist came up and it watered everything, right? There, evidently, it hadn't even rained yet. Noah hadn't even seen rain. Maybe he was living in a desert area. I don't know. But he hadn't. what is a flood? Now, you and I know what a flood is. We've seen one. Noah had no clue. Nobody had a clue. In fact, Noah began to build this ark. People would come along, what are you doing, Noah? Well, I'm building a boat, big boat. Why? Because a flood's coming. What's that? A flood? Yeah, well, that's when water's going to cover everything. 
That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, he became crazy old man Noah because God showed him something that nobody had seen before. And he believed God. He was just crazy enough by faith to believe what God said and then to act upon it. And he was warned about things not yet seen. And because of that, he become crazy. No, that's never happened before, and it's never going to happen. You can imagine what all kinds of people were saying. No way, no why, no nothing. That's crazy. By the way, this is the reason that people look at you crazy when you begin to talk about your faith in God. When you begin to talk about what God has done or what God is doing in your life, when you begin to talk about things about faith, somebody says to you, hey, why do you live the way you do? Why don't you act like everybody else acts? Why don't you go to the same place everybody else goes? Why don't you drink the same thing everybody else is drinking? Why don't you uh, talk the same way everybody else is talking? Why do you live differently than everybody else? And you say, well, because I've got this personal relationship with, with God. <laughs> You got a personal relationship with God. I've never seen God. There's no God. Oh, yeah. Well, why do you live that way? I mean, you can live any way you want to. Yeah, but God has told me this is the way I ought to live. God spoke to you? Yes. How did God speak to you? Well, in his word. You believe that old book? Well, that's crazy. What does that book tell you? That book tells me that God loves me and that he gave his son Jesus to die for me. He rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven and he's coming again. Well, Jesus isn't coming again. That's never happened before. Nobody's ever seen anything like that. It's crazy for you to believe that. I mean, do you understand? God, Noah, by faith, he was warned about things that nobody had ever seen before. And as a result of that, he was crazy old Noah. And you know what? People of faith in our world today are the craziest people because they believe the craziest stuff. God said it. I believe it. I live it. And that's crazy. And that's the world in which we live in today. But God speaks, beloved. And you're never going to hear him <laughs> if you don't put it by faith. You know, the Lord Jesus said in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will also declare to you what is to come. What is to come. You know what happened when you put your faith in Jesus? The Holy Spirit came to live within you. And now this is why you can pick up the word of God. Or you can stand or sit uh, in the preaching of the word of God. And the spirit of God takes the word of God and begins to apply it into our hearts and lives and our minds. And things that everybody else thinks crazy begins to make sense. And we see that God is actually at work. And he has done what he said he's going to do. And he's, he's active in my life. And nobody else understands. But a person of faith, because the Spirit of God is showing you what is going on in your life and is showing you what is going on in this world and is showing you what is to come. Watch this. God is speaking about what is to come. How, do I, how can I have confidence in this world? How can I have hope in this world? I mean, everywhere I look, there is everything's falling apart and there's despair and everything else like that. And yet I've read the last page of the book. I know how it's going to come out because Jesus is right. Right, he is gonna, he's coming again. He's going to put it all together. Whatever. I mean, however you want to think about it, this book is everything I need to know what is to come and give me hope and confidence in this life and in this world. Without it, there's despair and there's nothing. And this is the reason, 
beloved, that faith is so vital in our lives. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to live, to live. So here's Noah. Here's old crazy Noah. He was warned by God. God began to speak, and Noah, by faith, was listening. Rainbow faith is hearing God, first thing. Second thing is this. Noah was motivated. He was motivated. Look back at verse 7. It says, by faith, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, and motivated by godly fear. And motivated by godly fear. Now, this godly fear or this fear of God is not shaking in your boots or hiding under the table or something like that. It is godly respect for God himself. It is the respect of God that brings me to the place where I do what God says, where I obey him. I mean, think about this. What was the difference between Noah and everybody else in Noah's day, because God was speaking, anybody could have heard God. Anybody could have got the message. What's the difference between Noah and everybody else? The difference was the fear of God. Nobody else feared God. Everybody else got the warning. Noah feared God. And as a result of the fear of God, that is the reverential respect of God. He heard the voice of God and he said, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God said. Because of that fear of God, Noah's the one that built the ark where anybody else could have. For everybody else, there's no fear of God. Or there was no fear of God. Do you know what is wrong with most people in the world today? They don't fear God. That's what's going on in the world. That's why we see whatever, you know, whatever the crazy mess is going on in our world today. People, is quite obvious, people don't fear God. In Romans chapter 3, the apostle Paul goes through a list of all the things that our people are doing. It sounds like he's describing our very own culture today. And down in verse 18, he said, and there was no fear of God in their eyes. There was no fear of God. People just don't fear God. And it's not that everybody doesn't have fear. Everybody fears something. And honestly, fear motivates us. I mean, what is it that you fear? That really is the question. What is it that, that, brings, that brings fear to your heart? Because fear motivates. And if you think about this, you know, like uh, if you're in school. So for students who are in school, why do you care about what, other, what your friends think about you and why do you act the way you do based upon what they think because you fear what they think it's called peer pressure that's fear and it's it just as real when I was in school I cared about what everybody else thought I wanted to be like everybody else same thing happens in business you go to a job and you're concerned about what other people are thinking about you so you dress a certain way or you do whatever I mean we're motivated by fear you talk the way you talk. You act the way you act because of fear. If people are acting in an ungodly way, then you're going to act that same way because nobody wants to be different. Because what the world wants to do is it wants to try to push you into its mold. For a child of God, 
Fear of God is a requisite. Let me just put it this way. In Psalm 34, 9, the psalmist said, You who are the, his holy ones, fear the Lord. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord, for those who fear him lack nothing. That is, God takes care of those who respond to him by faith. And what faith produces is a godly fear that motivates us to act upon the word of God. Why do I do what God? Why do I care what God thinks or what God says or what God wants me to do? Why do I live my life in such a way to please God? It is the fear of God or the respect of God or the reverence of God. So I take God at his word. I heed his warnings. And beloved, I want you to see that that's not a negative thing. The psalmist says that those who fear the Lord lack nothing. That is, God provides. Why does God say, here, this is the way, walk in it? Because it's the right way, and he knows what he wants to do in your life. He knows how he wants to bless you. He knows how he wants to bring things together. And when we go this way, when we're going apart from the will of God or the way of God or the purposes and plans of God, we're not going to run into good things. Why is my life falling apart? Because I don't fear God. I don't obey God. I mean, you see that? He was motivated by godly fear. And what faith does is it produces in our life something, call it the fear of God, respect of God, however you want to think about it, that says, because God says it, now I'm going to do it. It brings a response or an obedience to the voice of God to do what God says. So godly fear... It, it, it produces that response. So I'm warned by God. I'm, I'm, I'm warned. I'm, excuse me. Let's get this back. I've, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm warned by my faith. My faith warns me. My faith motivates me. This is, this is his rainbow faith. Third thing, Noah was responsible. His faith made him responsible. Look what it says back in verse 7. Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. You see that? He built an ark to deliver his family. I want you to notice it doesn't say that he built an ark to deliver himself. <laughs> now, he got delivered. <clears throat> but that's not why he built the ark. He built the ark because God said build the ark, but, but he was he, and, and motivated by this godly fear. But he saw himself now as responsible for even others beyond himself. In this particular case, it was his family. He built this ark to deliver his family. And would to God that every man of God understood that I've got a responsibility for my family that I've got a responsibility for those who are coming after me. You know what faith does? Faith awakens in you that understanding that you've got a responsibility for those other than yourself. Why do you ever share the gospel with anybody? Why do we go to Lesotho? Why do we go down here to the prison and share it with those guys out in the prison who are probably getting what they deserve, and who cares what happens to them? Why in the world would a little old church in Brazoria, Texas, go halfway around the world to a place called Lesotho to tell a bunch of people about Jesus and to plant churches in a valley called, uh, in a valley we can't hardly even pronounce, Mati Bamozo, and I always get it wrong. Why in the world do we do that? Because our faith 
tells us that we're responsible for more than ourselves. What did the Lord Jesus say? As you're going, make disciples of all nations. Why me? Because I've done something in your life and there's something to share. That's, that was Moses. He saw in his own life that he was responsible and his faith is the one that brought him to this part. He heard the warning that revealed the will of God. He was motivated by godly fear that caused him to act upon that will, but becoming responsible man of God for those beyond him. What happened was he took the will of God and embraced it as his own. Why in the world do you obey God? Because God said so. And you know, that's probably for most of us. Why do I do what God says to do? Because God said, because I read it in a book, and God said, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I try to live that way. But you know what God is really looking for in people like you and me? He's not looking for just rote obedience where we just obey because that's what I'm supposed to do. He's looking for people that have a heart for him who embrace what he says and know that it's right. It's the right way to walk in. You remember, um, uh, well... In 2 Peter 2, 5, Noah, uh, the Bible, or Peter said that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. As a preacher of righteousness, what he was doing was he was sharing the heart of God. How was he able to share the heart of God? Because he had the heart of God. Watch this. Faith is hearing God, and it's obeying God. But why do I obey? Just because God says and that might be the result. I mean, that might be what it looks like in my life. I do what God says to do because God says it. But you know, the result of my obedience might also be because now I've got a heart for God. You remember the story in the Old Testament of a fellow by the name of Saul. This is Old Testament Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And he was a strapping young man. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. And he was honestly a great leader. He did many things for Israel. He really did. He served as king for 40 years. But you know, the Bible says that God rejected Saul. Do you know why? Because his heart was not right. What was God looking for when he found a little shepherd boy named David? You remember? He said, I'm looking for a man after my own heart. I'm looking for somebody that's got a heart for me. And you know, if you study the lives of Saul and David, you put them together, Saul wasn't all bad. And David wasn't all good. In fact, David's sin in many ways was, in, in my mind, as he committed murder and all, did all these other things, you know, cheated on his wife and, you know, all that, you know, adultery and all that. You look at David's life, he wasn't all good, but his heart was for God. Every time he was confronted by his sin, you know what his response was? Repentance before God. And he began, he began to go back to walk with God. You know, we're all sinners. But what God is looking for in our life is a heart for him. Over and over again, the prophet said, you know, I'm not just looking for obedience. I mean, I don't need just a whole bunch of sacrifices. And everything. I don't just need a whole bunch of folks, you know, that just uh, check the boxes, you know, in Sunday school or church or whatever it is. I'm looking for people who got a heart for me. I mean, it is a heart for God that God desires. And what happens is, is when we come to him by faith, we hear the voice of God, we understand the will of God, and we begin to obey it. But at some point, what God's looking for is when his heart becomes our heart. 
right? When we have this heart for God, so now we're doing what God says do. Not because just, or not just because God said it, but because this is what I desire. This is my heart. This is what I want because I want the things of God because my heart is a heart for God, a heart that mirrors God. This is what the Lord is looking for in God's people. And this is what faith produces. This is rainbow faith. Faith produces a heart for God in the life of a child of God. The responsibility that there's more to this thing than just about me. Do you know that God didn't just sit up there and go, okay, I hope you all figure it out. No, he got involved. He sent his son. He got his hands dirty. He got down uh, here in the muck and the mire with you and me. And this is the heart of God. This is what God calls people like you and me with a heart for God to do. This is the reason we go to Lesotho. This is the reason we go to the prison. The reason we go next door, wherever we go, because we got a heart for God. And God's heart is for those who are lost and those who need him. Praise God. That's what faith produces. Here's the next one. Noah was set apart. Not only was he warned, not only was he motivated, not only he was responsible, but he was set apart. Look again at verse 7. He says, by faith, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world. <laughs> now, you see that word condemned? It doesn't mean that Noah was standing up going, hey, you people are going to hell. That's not what he was doing, all right? He didn't condemn the world in that way. What did he do? He condemned the world by the way he lived his life. Because you know what faith did in the life of Noah? It made him different from everybody else. He was different. He talked different. He didn't go where everybody else went. He didn't do what everybody else did. His faith set him apart. And as a result of being set apart, people would look at him and say, hey, Noah, why don't you do what, why don't you do what everybody else did? Why don't you talk? Hey, you're judging me. Anybody ever told you that? Hey, you're judging me. Anytime a child of God doesn't act like everybody else acts, you're judging. No, I'm not judging. You know, you go to a party where everybody is drinking alcohol or whatever, and you don't because you have a conviction. And what are they going to say about you? Well, what's, what's so special about you? Why are you judging? Are you working around guys that talk a certain way and cuss and all that other stuff, and you don't? Why? Because you've got a relationship with the living God, and what comes out of your mouth you know is vital and important. Why are you judging me? You don't do the same things I do. You don't act the same way I act. What the world wants to do is conform you into its image. And if you are not going to be conformed, they're going to say you're judging. Now, the reality is, is they're half right. Because it, the reality is, is by faith. Or you live your life by faith. That faith is going to stand in judgment of a world that is already condemned. But let me tell you something. It's not you judging, it's God judging. Because God judges sin. And those things that everybody else is doing, it's not you judging. It's God judging. Because he's the one that sets you apart. I want you to notice that Noah here was set apart by God. And by the way, this is the difference between a child of God and everybody else in this world. 
And I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm talking about God-righteousness. I want to give you a verse in Romans 1.1. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's introducing himself to the church at Rome. And he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel. Now, you see that word set apart there? He's not saying I set myself apart for the gospel. He's saying I've been set apart. It's passive. Who set him apart? God. God set him apart. He didn't wake up one, one morning and say, hey, I'm going to live different from this world. No, God said, I've got a claim on your life. You're walking with me by faith. You're going to be different from everybody else. This was the divine call of God on Paul. And child of God, listen to me, brothers and sisters, this is God's call on your life. You are set apart by the Lord Jesus. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And it is this separation that makes people uncomfortable and makes them feel condemned by you. But it's not you, it's God. Listen, Noah's faith and your faith as well is going to set you apart from a world that lives without God. And that's just the reality. And, beloved, that's not a bad thing. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You are set apart. Listen, rainbow faith sets you apart. Live it. Embrace it. Even when people look at you and say, well, you're condemning me. No, I'm not. I'm not judging you. Do whatever you want to do. That's your business between you and God. I just know how God's called me to live, and that's the way I'm going to live, and here's why. And I'm ready always to give a reason for the hope that lives within me. Last thing, real quick. Noah was rewarded. Noah was rewarded. He was warned. He was motivated. He was responsible. He was set apart. And he was rewarded. Look at the last part of verse 7. <clears throat> by faith he condemned the world, not by word, but by faith. And he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Did you see that? God made Noah an heir. An heir. An heir of who? An heir of God. Or a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? What does an heir do? An heir inherits everything from whoever he's the heir of, right? And so if you're an heir of God or a joint heir with Christ Jesus, that means you're going to inherit everything that is God's. Now watch this. It begins with righteousness. <clears throat> so again, it says he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now righteousness, and this isn't self-righteousness. This isn't me standing up and saying, hey, look at me. I'm better than everybody else. No, this is right standing with God. This is the Lord Jesus living within me. And so now when I stand before God, I am right with him. Not perfect. I'm not perfected yet. But I am in him. And I am righteous in Christ Jesus. I'm that heir of that righteousness. Watch this. It begins here, but it continues on into eternity. And so God has something more for me. And I wish I could describe it to you all. Let me give you a couple of verses. Romans 4, 5. But to the one who does not work. And the does not work, he's talking about is for salvation. So I'm not working for my salvation because that work was already done on the cross by the Lord Jesus. So the one who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. And so this is, the, again, the righteousness of God that is imputed or given to me because of my faith in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Watch what this inheritance of righteousness produces. Ephesians 1.18. 
Paul is praying for the believers there, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. It begins with the righteousness of God, now walking with God in a right relationship with him. Praise God. And let me tell you something, beloved. That's not a bad thing, and it's not, a, and it's not anything to hold you back. God is trying to lift you up, and he's trying to make you something that you were created to be. It's the greatest thing in the world. I just wish I could encourage everybody, walk it, live it. This is the righteousness of God. He says, I'm doing this in your life. All right, and so is this righteousness now where it begins. He says, but what's coming is the inheritance of the saints. It's the wealth of God. Did you see that? The glorious inheritance of God's saints. In 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, Peter says the same thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy. He has given us a new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into. Now watch this. Now I'm put into. An inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. What does that mean? It can never be taken away. It's never going to fail. It's more than you can ever imagine. I wish I could sit here and describe what God has before you. The Bible says, uh, I have not seen, nor hear, heard, nor hear into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. I don't know what, what all this inheritance entails. I just know it's exactly what you would want for yourself if you were smart enough to say, yeah, I'll take that. God says, here it is. And it comes by faith. This is rainbow faith. M Noah was rewarded by his faith or rewarded for his faith. And beloved, I want to tell you that the only way to live this life is to live by faith. And if you're not living by faith, you don't have a rainbow faith, I want you to know that this is what God desires for you today. <clears throat> rainbow faith. Or rain, the rainbow is the sign of God's promise. And Noah had to take God at his word, and then he had to act on that word. And you know, at some point along the way, as he became this preacher of righteousness, the work of God in his life, by his faith or through his faith, bore fruit or fruition, and the will of God became his own will. You couldn't have separated those two. And you couldn't have pulled... Noah, away from that, you couldn't have convinced him that that wasn't right. Rainbow faith took God at his word and acted upon it. And God's word, God's will became his own, and it became his life. This is Noah's faith. This is the kind of faith that God is looking for in your life. A man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart, a child after God's own heart who lives and walks by faith. Here's the question I want to ask you this morning. What does your faith look like? What does your faith look like? Is it a rainbow faith? Is it a faith like Noah? It just believes God when everybody else is laughing and saying that's the craziest thing. Why in the world would you live that way? Is it the kind of faith that, that acts because of godly fear who reverentially respects the Lord. And whatever God says, I'm going to do it because I love God. And God is my heart. And God is my life. So the kind of faith that makes your life just looks different. People look at you and say, there's something different about you. The kind of faith that holding on to the promise of God, looking forward to that day when we're heading home. 
yesterday evening, Donna and I uh, spent a little bit of time over at Beth and Mark Burke's house. And it may be it's already happened, but Beth is, is soon to, to see Jesus. She's on her way. And I couldn't help but thinking as we walked out. How envious, how envious I am. You know, Beth loved the Lord. Faithful servant of God. Woman who just walked by faith. You could see it in her life. I'm not saying anything that most all of you don't know. And soon to see Jesus face to face. I was thinking, oh, I'm ready. Aren't you ready? Lord, as long as you let me live here, I'm going to be faithful. But I'm looking forward to that day when my faith becomes sight. Father, I just pray today in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you'd show yourself mighty in this place. And God, that you'd help us, God, to be men, women of faith, Lord. And God, I know some of us here, that just sounds so weird, so crazy. But maybe today, Lord, as you've been speaking, hearts have been open and people have been listening and believing, Lord. God, today just might be that day when somebody would say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. God, take over right now. As we come to this time of decision, Lord, of response, may we respond by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand, beloved. And uh, we're going to sing this hymn. And as we sing, I'm just going to invite you to respond to the Lord by faith.